0: Hey guys, welcome along to episode 163 of Blind Guy Talks Tech for Saturday the 23rd of July 2022, and today we sit down with a listener for one of our Saturday edition specials. You're listening to Blind Guy Talks Tech, your daily accessible tech podcast. Now, here's that blind guy himself, Stephen Scott. Yeah, we thought for a change today we would do uh, something a little bit different. We'd bring uh, one of our listeners on to share their stories because, you know, the thing is, so many of you who get in touch with our show have, got, I'm sure, so much to tell as a story, especially around technology and the technology you've used over your lifetime, especially our listeners who have been blind since birth. And this is something which comes up time and time again. You know, there is a big, big difference between being born blind, losing sight later in life, Uh, and in my case, kind of having a bit of both, right? Because I had low vision throughout most of my life and then lost more vision later in life, but never lost all of it. I'm the car that's kind of just, just hanging over the edge of the cliff, is isn't probably going to go over, but it's kind of just sitting there. That's how it feels to me, anyway. But I do feel that it's nice to hear the perspectives of all of our audience, and sometimes it's just nice to turn the mic on you. So for that reason today, uh, I thought I'd play you in a conversation that I had this week with Rill Woolno. Now, you might remember the name Rill because uh, she classes herself as a fictitious town in Wales. That's how she writes into us, and it's become quite endearing. And uh, that's why our title today is uh, Chatting with a, ficti- a Fictitious Town in Wales. Because that's what we did. Uh, myself and Robin Christopherson got together to have a chat with Will, And that is exactly how I brought her into the conversation, by welcoming her and uh, suggesting that it was rather unusual to speak to a town in Wales.
1: Well, it's a fictitious town in Wales.
0: Yeah, even, even more unbelievable, a fictitious <laughs> town. Can you yeah. get letters from a fictional town? You have. <laughs> yeah well yes that's
2: right
0: <laughs> <laughs> well yeah really it's great to uh, talk to you in person on the show. Thank you so much for coming on and uh I-, I think it's interesting because we we often we hear so much from our audience and i i'm huge i'm a huge fan of hearing more from our audience because you're all far more intelligent than me um without a shadow of a doubt, and I just think it's interesting to hear your stories. And your experiences, because there's a lot of tech stuff, obviously, you can bring to the table. And I, I just thought we should maybe delve into that mind of yours, real. I'm sure there's plenty there.
1: One hopes. And thank you so much <laughs> for inviting me.
0: <laughs> uh, well, look, first off, um, I mean, you, you, you've been contacting our show for a little while now. And um, how did you find us? How did you find the, the, the show? And, and how did you come across it?
1: Um, I came, you know, as all things, it's circuitous. Um, I think it's through Robin through, um, Mac accessibility, um, no Mac accessibility. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and that's how I connected that way. And then of course I've, I've even produced some episodes early on for Dot to Dot and mm-hmm. then, um, Listen to the Echo Show, and Robin and I often correspond about different skills.
2: Yeah, so we'll have to be very careful not to um, go on to the A Lady topic. (laughs) I don't know if that's on the table for today.
0: Oh, I think anything's on the table, I think. (laughs) And and certainly the ADL, I mean, you know, you two obviously know all about that, and you've been having lots of conversations. And like you say, really, you've been recording demos for Dot to Dot, which is fantastic. Amazing. Um, yeah, and I think it's just it's good. To, this is again the thing, right? I mean, as a community, this is why I wanted to set this this whole thing up. Was you know, the, it's not about me just you know shouting at the microphone for the best part of an hour each day. Although I have to tell you, it's fantastically therapeutic, and I recommend it to everybody. Get a podcast if you need to shout at something. Buy a microphone and yell at it. Uh, if you, you can't be bothered with the podcast part, just don't plug the mic in. There you go, problem solved. <laughs> Well, um, you
1: can actually, Stephen, easily uh, set up a podcast on Anchor. And, you know, even if no one else listens, you can just pretend you have a podcast.
0: That's that's pretty much how I've run my entire career, real, to be perfectly honest. That's, <laughs> that's it in a nutshell. Uh, but tell us a little bit about your background in terms of uh, technology and computing, because you you have got quite a story to tell. You've got, you know, a lot of experience in this world.
1: Well, Maybe I should start the story in 1959, before tech.
0: <laughs> before um, tech existed, right, okay.
1: <laughs> um, because um, I lost my vision when I was in primary school, and that was the year. And so at the time, um, that I had, I had learned to read print. Um, and in our educational system here in the States at that time, I was reading print very well but i hadn't learned cursive writing yet um i'm not even sure they teach it anymore but that's a that would give someone a a kind of a reference to what my skill set was
0: what does that mean real sorry what
2: what does that mean
1: cursive writing
2: we call it joined up over here oh okay
1: not print not not block printing
2: yeah got you right okay
1: Okay. Yeah. The other day you were talking about shellac, and it took me a while to realize it was shellac.
2: Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a
0: young guy. Let's just put it that yeah. way. No, you know, but it may maybe like I say, it's just, I know nothing.
1: You know, it, it may simply be that we um, we just put the different emphasis in different places. So, I was taught braille, and I was uh, using. Records. Um, I had a talking book machine which could play 33 and a third, and then I think it went to 16 and two thirds. So the Library of Congress, through its National Library Service and its cooperating libraries, would mail out boxes of long playing records. And you would get those in the mail. You could get Braille books, too. But although I was an excellent print reader, reading books in Braille has always been a struggle, a whole novel. I love tech books in, in Braille, but um, stories I'd rather have read to me. Mm. So, um, But you'd get these big black boxes in the mail and you could play the records and then you would put them back in the box and you would flip um an index card over, which was a label that was addressed back to the library and it would send. And by act of Congress, that's free Braille mail. And so um, we could keep mailing things back and forth. Um, And
2: how um, long can you get on one side of a 16 and two thirds?
1: they were smaller they were physically smaller discs so i think they were still only 20 minutes 30 mm-hmm. minutes like a regular vinyl lp
2: so that's a big box basically
1: uh yeah they were big and the <laughs> braille books obviously
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know were many boxes yeah, a truck. Very, you know mm-hmm. truck size yes um and in school at the time folks might find this interesting we were trans. Uh, forming into um, a new, they were called it the new math and you needed a whole new set of books and they were sometimes hard to find, but they would come to me often reproduced. We had finally learned how to reproduce hand um, brailled on a braille machine or even a slate uh, books by putting plastic over the page, and then there was a special iron that you could slide back and forth that would then melt and mold to the shape of the braille.
2: Wow, I thought you said technology hadn't been invented.
1: Yeah, well that was, um, (laughs) and a guy who invented, um, the brand name is Thermoform, Yeah, and the guy who invented it had a blind daughter, but he was into shrink wrap. That was his his, um, professional wife. So that's how he developed thermoforming, which was also revolutionary to do this new math ebooks, books um, and get those out to people. And again, they were on one side because they were just hand done. They were not done at either the American Printing House or Cloverneck.
0: We've only just touched the surface of this, and I'm already thinking, how did you cope? How could you handle all that? I'd want to, I don't know, jump into the ocean at this point.
1: Well, but I mean, and, you know, I was, you know, what, eight, nine, ten years old, you know, but it was like, well, at least you had a book. Hmm. Because one year I didn't have a math book at the beginning of school. And so family members had to read the book. And one day my grandmother got was visiting and she got tasked. And I think we were doing set theory at the time with unions and subsets and whatever um, you know and she got so bamboozled by all the mathematical signs you know she finally read something you know one number line another number and it was a minus sign <laughs> <laughs> you know, and she, she would have known a minus sign but she was just so rattled by the whole experience and then very excitingly real to reel tape came along
2: Students' ears are picking up now. Yeah,
0: that's them of interest. Yeah, because I mean, that—that uh, that um, was fun enough. I, I mean, I'm probably in that age bracket where reel-to-reel was probably on the way out, pretty much. But weirdly, not in the, the places when I was growing up, because you know, when I was growing up, in, especially in secondary school, which is where I had my visual impairment support, that was where I saw reel-to-reel tape used, and then I actually used it later at the early early part of my career in radio. Where I was working at this organization for blind people, it was like a, a, a magazine for blind people, and they were creating it in real to real. And that was the first and only time I ever used real to real. But you know, super tactile, um, great for audio editing, and actually gave me the, the understanding of of later on how this technology would work. You know, even on the computer.
1: Interesting, you know, because what I remember about real to real, um, I was using by then. They're now called Learning Ally, but at the time they were called Recording for the Blind, and they would uh, sighted volunteers would go into studios and record books for students, Hmm. um, particularly college students, and then um, you would, and they had been around for a long, long time because they had they had produced stuff on flexible disc. And I remember the flexible discs. So these were these tiny discs that were, when I say tiny, CDs, bigger probably than a CD. But you would put them on your talking book machine and play them. And they always began with a bell sound, you know, a Uh a really whistly kind of bell. And then they would read and then you would get to the end. And there would be that sound again. So when they converted those discs to -to reel-to-reel tape, you always had that whistle sound.
2: (laughs) Well, you could have got a razor blade and some, you know, sellotape or scotch tape (laughs) and cut those out. You could have done that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, and then the the great advance in reel-to-reel was they put beep tones on the pages and double beep tones of the chapters, so
2: mm-hmm. you could cue and review fast forward yeah. and rewind. Well, yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely yeah. and that was like revolutionary
0: well, that's right, I mean that's right. I remember that in tape form and cassette tapes they would do that for some of the the classwork I had, some of the the you know some of it was coming in. I, I don't know where it came from, but you know it was recorded by you know supposed professionals, I guess who would go off and do this, but they had those beeps in it as well. And, yeah, it's funny thinking back to it. You're taking me back here, real. This is uh, (laughs) is really taking me back a good few years. And actually, you know, it's funny, right, because, and I know we're going to get into this, you know, today's technology and how it's changed everything, and some would argue for the better, but I don't know. There's something about, especially for me, tape, that was just so tactile. It was so good. Even today, I think I could just do with a tape recorder on my desk right now.
2: It was amazing what they could do with the reel-to-reel. If anyone's listened to the original Hitchhikers, the BBC Radiophonic Workshop, they did all of those effects with reel-to-reel hmm. and overlaying and, you know, you can even do like a crossfade by cutting at 45 degrees but and then sticking the, the ends together so it kind of, one fades out and the other fades in. So, there's low, yeah, they did really clever stuff without any digital, you know, this is pre-digital by quite a long way.
1: Except that, if you used it all the time as um, mission-critical work, hmm. both tape, cassette, or reel-to-reel, if they broke, you were in big trouble, if you yep. had an assignment due.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that is the... Yeah, that's a really interesting point, actually, because this is what kind of brings us back to today, where everything's brilliant, everything's wonderful, until it stops working. And... That's the challenge. And and that challenge for us is different. you know. And I don't know if it matters too much whether it was then or now, to be honest. The challenge is still the same. The, te- the technology is different. But the challenge is still the same. We still live in a world where there are parts of you know, say for example just like a real to reel machine is essentially universal, the same way a smartphone or a computer is universal. If our bit of that breaks, we're stuffed. And that can't necessarily be fixed. Let's take an inaccessible website or an inaccessible app. That might not be something that can be fixed overnight, and that could halt you in your progress. And if you take it as far as mission critical work, well, in your you know workplace, how you fare in that workplace can be impacted on, you know, frankly, by this this technology by the or the lack of it being functional.
1: Well, I think though that there that's where things like voiceover narrator, and even NVDA um, can be put on other, you know, with a portable copy of NVDA, you can actually go to a different computer. Hmm. So if you're in a setting where you have options, you could get out of that a lot better than if your cassette broke.
2: Yeah. Backups and, uh, you know, reach for another computer. I mean, we are surrounded by computers you know i'm usually walking around with one in my back pocket one on my wrist two in my ears you know airpods are actually mini computers, <laughs> systems on a chips and wi-fi um chip and and all of those different things battery so um yeah absolutely we can kind of reach for another one this um reminds me of um you know i know your uh, prowess in different um platforms real including the mac uh, pc Linux, Android, iOS, and you know when you bump up against the limitations, whether it's built into the device or whether it's kind of the fact that you know, say, VoiceOver on the Mac doesn't speak uh, a website as well as it might do on another platform. You've um, you know been able to jump from one to the other, haven't you? So do you want to tell us a little bit about kind of your uh, roamings in techland?
1: Well, I can. Um... You know, I started with um, Windows. Well, no, let me go back. (laughs) When I got a job, I got a job um, in uh, writing computer programs um, before there were terminals.
2: Wow. Wow. (laughs) We're not talking cards here, are we?
1: We're talking cards. Wow. Okay, you're
0: going to have to explain this to me. So, right. Pieces of
2: cardboard. Go on.
1: Okay. (laughs) <laughs> well, let me let me also say that I also went for Opticon training, heard of, yep, yeah. So that's a device for folks who don't know that was brilliant at the time, horribly expensive, expensive like um, the ARX glasses you're you know working with or <laughs> Envision or any of that kind of technology. Expensive like that, I think they I but probably more. Um, no, they were like five thousand dollars in like nineteen seventy four. So you know, just get the sense of that. Yeah. Um, and what what it did was it had a little camera on rollers that you could roll across a page, and then you had a finger width display. It was one hundred and forty four pins that could vibrate. So you could feel a raised letter, but if you've ever touched a barbed wire fence, it was kind of like that only (laughs) tuned way, way down. So so your finger could literally go to sleep because it had been buzzed. And this thing would make a noise, you know, because it was, uh, these pins were vibrating. um, With the letter shapes, so what you were feeling changed with every font. And the ability for the camera to get the letter sorted without AI meant if you didn't have crisp ink, you had trouble with the with reading um, the printed page. Wow. Now, what you did with computers is in the old days, they ran with what were called punch cards, which were a different, slightly different shape. But. And bigger, think of big like index cards. Uh, They were long and thin. um, And they had a series of punches that the computers of the day could figure out what the words were that were in your program and then compile your program and run it.
2: Like holes. Basically,
1: yeah, you would literally punch holes and you had a machine called a key punch and you would sit down and type into this machine. Um, And then when you got to, you know, each command that you wanted the computer to do, and then you would have a beginning of the program and an end of the program and you would submit it to the computer room. And then they would feed the cards and a card reader into the computer to have it do what it did.
2: And were you programming at that level?
1: Yes, in binary or assembly. Yeah. Yeah, I was using I was using an IBM program called PL1, oh. which was a fusion of COBOL and Fortran. Wow.
2: I mean, and, when <laughs> someone
0: says to you, "Rill, oh, you know, this button's unlabeled, and I'm kind of struggling here," you must think, "Yeah, but I used to have to operate a computer with a punch card system." So, I do. what are you complaining I just, about?
2: <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I I sometimes go. Oh, get a grip! Yeah.
0: <laughs> get a grip! I'm never going to complain about anything ever again.
2: And I mean well, debugging. You know where would it that be? In how many thousands of cards? Where would that bug be? You know.
1: Well, what you would do is each card was numbered, and then you would get a printout on green, that was called green bar paper, which was huge. It was oh, I don't know bigger than a legal size. And it was fanfold, And you would, oh, 14 inches wide, maybe Um, 11, 12 inches high. You would get this paper and you would get it back, you know, whether your program ran or it didn't run. And then you would get where it failed and you would get errors and then you could track it down and then you could, um, by this point, your computer, your program would be in the computer, and then you would have to um, figure out what number card you needed to replace or add to. So when you updated a program, you then had to work out the numbering system so you could add or delete from the program.
2: How long would it take, you know, to create the cards put oh, it in it the program? it was fast, because
1: you were typing.
2: And then debug it. Are we talking days from like well, to do a project?
1: Well, like, yeah. I mean, sometimes pro- projects took days and
0: weeks,
2: yeah. and yeah.
1: you know. But some things were you know that you had to get it done, and you had to get it done because they needed the information.
0: <laughs> and, what, and what was the application you were creating or writing for? I mean, what was it? What, wasn't the Uber app? Was it? It was you know. Oh
1: no! It was things like you know, fixed accounting and ledgers and. Uh, you know whatever business needed,
0: which at that time would have been very much the, the use of these machines, right? It wasn't, Calculations, yeah, yeah. yeah. They
1: were, but but it was for the accounting department or the payroll department, yeah, yeah, of the of the company. So it was all in house. Um, one of the fun things uh, folks might 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 enjoy is we would get a tape periodically from corporate headquarters for the um, accounting system. And you would have to go through and manually put all the cards and you would get this huge stack of paper. When I mean huge, I mean like several feet high. And you would have to go through and find all the programs and, you know, put all the headers and footers into into this so that the computer staff could run it and it would compile each of the programs um, that was on the tape to our local system. And I looked at that, I did that once. And I said, never again. And I wrote a program to review the tape and add those headers automatically.
2: (laughs) Wow. So how were you accessing the computer that you were using? I wasn't. Okay. I was
1: using my Opticon reading this paper that was on my desk and writing these cards. Wow. And so I wrote a program to put the headers and footers in. Wow. And so what happened was, how efficient this was, the computer room would get the tape, and then they could run the program, and it would all be installed and ready to go, and nobody had to do anything.
2: Wow. <laughs> so did your company sell that computer? program back to IBM
1: <laughs> no my company was IBM so oh, it was okay, okay. so
2: they could afford to have the mainframe then <laughs> yeah
1: well then I got an award
2: well I was going
0: to say you should have got an award for that a Nobel I Peace did. Prize or something yeah I mean
1: <laughs> I, I got a local award and someone else copied my work for, I was doing f- fixed assets and she was doing ledger and it was the same thing and she just copied my program and changed a few things
0: <laughs> Jeez, and they complain about no alt text um
1: That's right.
2: (laughs) So did you carry on programming or?
1: I did it for a number of years. I had a lot of different kinds of responsibilities and we got terminals and terminals were great. Um, I was still using the Opticon, which meant you had to hold your arm up to focus the camera on the screen. And you actually Mm. laid it against the screen, that was the whole thing. But you were then working all day, reading your computer with your arm up in the air. (laughs) On these screens. But I had a lot of trouble distinguishing between an eight and a zero with a dot in it, which was how they helped sighted people Understand the difference between a zero and the letter O.
0: Hmm. Oh, interesting.
1: And so I had trouble because the dot was in the zero, whether it was um, a zero or an eight. And the problem was we were looking at the project I was involved in. We were involved with um, completion codes. An eight meant it failed and zero meant it it succeeded. (laughs) And you had to be sure what you were doing to submit the next job in the stream. By then we could do that through the terminal, not directly. We could submit a job. We had to write other code around it to submit it to the computer. So I was struggling. And then we discovered you could write code that could read those those different completion codes and submit the next job automatically if it was clean. So again, my disability helped speed up the process. A process that used to take all day huh. and needed a dedicated person now ran by itself. It still might take you know six hours to run, but we could not be glued to our screens. We could be working on other things until there was a problem. And then we could work with the problem. And again, I wrote another script late down the line where I actually had the users define what it was they wanted to do, what scenario they wanted to test. And then they could set that all up on their own and get it running. I was a, definitely uh, into automation.
2: <laughs> yeah, before uh, it was a thing. But was
0: yeah, I'm intrigued by... Your journey into tech later in life then, because in some ways, the way you talk, it sounds like, although it sounds complicated and and, I I don't doubt it wasn't, but that, you know, to someone like myself, that is just a whole other world. Right. Mm. But but in some ways, it seemed a bit more accessible to you compared to perhaps the challenges we face today.
1: Well, what was the transition? I think the transition started with personal computers. Um I had an Apple II Plus and that was still using the Opticon with reverse video um on the uh screen mm-hmm. and um there was then the the PCs that um IBM and others were making, you know, DOS with Bill Gates and mm-hmm. and the beginning of Windows, and that was still still reading on the screen. Eventually, at work, I got a um, a box that began to talk <laughs> that you could connect. There were different different ones, and they all had different uh, manufacturers and different costs that you could then operate that would read the screen that was pretty revolutionary um and then i left left the company they were closing down the site i wasn't moving i would you know i had an opportunity to to go off and do some education um but that was talking that was still that was screen readers and that was windows 3.1 mm-hmm. Um, so I did that for a while. And then I guess we went to, um, talking phones, code factory, doing, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the talking on windows phones. And I had one of the, I had several of the, I used that for a long time. Um, I didn't go to the iPhone immediately because I wanted to. Uh, stay in a particular uh, uh, telephone company uh, for telecommunications because at that point you were you didn't have unlimited talk plans.
0: Yeah, and people forget that you had to get it on specific carriers at that time. AT and T. Yeah, it was
1: uh, it was AT and T in this country, and I was on Verizon, mm. and my whole family was on Verizon. So I stayed on Verizon, and that's when I got an Android phone. So I did the very early, I the earliest Android I was running was Proyo two point
2: two? two. Oh yeah, two point two. Yeah,
1: and that had the Marvin uh, desktop that TV Ramen did, where you yes, it was brilliant. Right, yeah. It was brilliant because you would put your finger down and it assumed that that was where the five would be on a keypad and so you could set up a home screen with nine options but anytime you put your finger down you were on that middle five and yeah. then you could just slide your finger up down and around to get to the one you wanted
2: so was that self-voicing or was that talk- it was talk back that- it was
1: a very early version of talkback
2: wow no
0: you used that for a bit. And I used that
1: for a bit. And why I didn't, why I moved over to the iPhone was because one day I got lost. Okay. And it was, I was very, you know, I was in no danger. I was walking from my apartment to the senior center in the, in the town where I was living at the time, but there was construction. And we couldn't go certain ways. And I was working, I worked with a guide dog and, and, you know, he was trying to make sense of it. And suddenly I realized I didn't, he had made a turn. I had no idea where we were. And I said to my Google phone, my Android phone, I said, where am I? And it showed me a map.
2: Hmm. Helpful. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Apple Maps were accessible way before Google Maps on Android. So, yeah, you basically were a pin, were you? In the middle of nowhere.
1: Somewhere. So <laughs> I had to call for help. Now, this was a case where if I had trusted my dog, I think he would have brought me. I think he was trying to bring me to where he knew I wanted to go. Yeah. But of course, I panicked. And, you know, which is reasonable to panic in that situation. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Don't you feel um, awful when the dog is taking you another way because of an obstacle that isn't usually there? and you get a bit disoriented and you say oh no we've gone wrong come on back and and you kind of end up making him revisit the same place mm-hmm. and you just don't give him credit and then he finally gets you there and you realize that yeah he he was taking you around something because maybe you had to ask on the way back or whatever and it's like you've been doubting the dog and making him feel really kind of under pressure because you just need to give him credit at the beginning so i always feel really bad and i yeah like you i should just let him go with it
1: well you know i mean who knows where we would have you know if that would have been true i mean that we would have gotten or we would have just gone where dogs think it would be better
2: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah but i know a friend of mine who went through a similar experience and he uh he ended up walking up the middle of a road you know like on the middle line of a road um, at which point cars were pulling over and saying, Hey, you all right there? Maybe you don't want to be walking up the middle of this road. Um, so, yeah, it, it can work and it can't. I mean, it can work it, in it your favor. Can. Not. I the, mean, my the problem favorite. is you don't know. That's the problem.
1: <laughs> yeah. My favorite story with this particular dog, Elwood, he um, loved white lines. There was a line he would walk it. And we were in the snow, you know, and it snowed, and we were crossing streets. And here, when you get piles of snow... People, the the plows plow in the curbs. And so people either beat a path, if let's know, or they shovel, but they only shovel one shovel wide. So it's very narrow. Mm -hmm. So in dog logic, it was like, why should I try to squeeze you through where we both don't fit through this narrow hole when there's this whole open area going in the same direction? Called yeah. a four-lane highway. On the road, <laughs> yeah.
2: And to bonus, it has white lines as well, so that's and good. Yeah. perfect. Yeah,
0: and cars so um, coming well, at you at incredible speeds. Well, yeah,
1: that's what did not happen. There were cars. We were near the cars. I mean, we're walking along and finally, one guy standing, and he seems to be standing up from me, higher than me, and he goes, "Ma'am, you're in the street." I go, "Oh, okay, thank you." I realize what has happened. Yeah. So I say to the dog, OK, got to get out of here. So he, being four-legged and young and sprout, jumps up the snow. He's standing on the sidewalk. Yep. And I am on my hands and knees crawling up this bank of snow to get to.
2: <laughs> See that that will get plowed, you know, mown down by a truck. So, yeah. Yeah, so what was exactly. happening
1: is because there were two lanes, everybody was just driving around me.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. that's good news, right? I mean, at least they're driving around you. And, and I guess if it's snow, you would think people would slow down a little bit. So, you know, they wouldn't be going quite as fast as they might normally go. Although who knows these days? Um, yeah, who knows these days? But, I mean, that's so, interesting. So you, you, you made that decision of that for that reason. And I, I guess, obviously, nowadays that wouldn't be problem right you would you would find that but of course you've moved on to the iphone at this point
1: yeah so then i have moved on to the iphone and um you know started to explore that and learn that you know and meanwhile back at the ranch um i had gotten in heard about linux and this is circa 2011 uh the iphone and so forth incident was later um, so I'm circling back a little bit and I had heard of Ubuntu and that you could use a screen reader with that. And I was asking questions on the screen reader uh, list, Orca, and mm-hmm. someone said you might enjoy using Vinix, which was a Linux fork of Ubuntu with um some help for the visually impaired. And so I got into that community and that list, they were very helpful, you know, and then I just went on from there and met some folks and, you know, through, you know, through connecting and doing all of that and then tried different versions of Linux and uh, eventually through those connections got connected to the Raspberry Pi. And I worked on that for a number of years haven't done a lot with that lately. Um, and I've, I've um, got a new Android phone a couple of years ago, and I don't do a whole lot with that. It's a great reader. I think, Stephen, you were talking uh, a while back, and I think Negative Julian was also showing that, you know, how to use uh, a dedicated uh,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. player. The Hallmark um, player app, yeah.
1: Yeah or or you were talking about just just getting an MP3 player you know to yeah, play yeah. play audio um i find the android device is wonderful for using audible wonderful for using um here in this country we have um the bard app for mm-hmm. um our talking books um and so to play that, it's just a great device for that. So I can. What's, what's now, great
0: about it? What's great about it for that the purpose? The
1: audio sound is great. Also, I find that it's a dedicated. This is what I'm doing with this. I put my iPhone on charger somewhere if I need to charge it. Um, and I just like listening to podcasts on it. Just, it's just different. It's a little. It means this is what I'm doing with this device.
0: Mm-hmm. It's not doing anything else. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm reading with this device.
0: It's kind of funny, isn't it? Because we've had this debate about specialist versus mainstream, but ultimately what we're talking about is having multiple devices to do something versus one. I know that's not all of the argument, but it does boil down to that to some degree. And we still as blind people, and I've noticed this as well, the more vision I've lost, I tend to be almost sort of partitioning off of my devices and saying, right, this one's going to do this and this one's going to do that. And I feel guilty about it. I kind of, I, I do, I have this sense of guilt that somehow this machine's sitting there looking at me thinking, I could do so much more. Uh, but <laughs> I just want you to read my Audible book and just get on with it. Um, it's, like my, it's like my dot. Every time I talk to Robin, I feel guilty because you know, he does all these episodes of Dot to Dot and I still just ask the time, what the weather is, you know, check the calendar, and have ba- barely launched a skill in my life on this thing. I mean, I know all the capability that it has and I barely touch the surface of it.
2: You're a busy man. Um, well, it's
0: that. And it's, it's also just, I think, sometimes it's what you need to do, right? And I think I think that's all almost the kind of part you have to let go of and just say, right, do you know what? This is what I do with it. That's fine. And like you say, Ril, I mean, having the Android phone to do that purpose and serve that purpose, it's, it's you know, if it's going to work for you, then why not? You know, that makes total yeah. sense. But what is that about Apple that kind of, I mean, is it, because I know we're all Apple people here, right? We're all sitting here with our Apple phones and everyone's going to say, here he goes, we're going to rip the uh, Android thing apart, but you know, the, the truth is that we make a decision. Um, you made a decision to stay with Apple, and I'm int- intrigued to know what that reason was. Because obviously, you knew you obviously would have known that Android would have moved on, and the things, the challenges you had would have been resolved. So, what kept you with Apple?
1: Well, I think that a um, couple of things. I find um, my iPhone is this quality of the screen against my fingers is different from my pixel 3a i think my pixel 3a has a much slipperier screen is that good or bad it's it's bad for me because i i find that i can operate my iphone much faster and Mm -hmm. easier and Mm -hmm. i actually um one request i have from the community is if any of the Android users have a good GPS app, I would like to hear about that because Lazario doesn't work for me Mm -hmm. on my Android and I can't find another. I used to use Get There, which was brilliant, but it's not in the Play Store anymore. Um, So that would be one thing. So navigation might be a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I have options. Um, I learned how to use the navigation apps that that have to do with bus stops.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, When when I was traveling more uh, with the pandemic, I've, you know, not traveled as much. Mm -hmm. So, but I find that the um, using, you know, for bus stop information, when to get off, where am I? You know, it's like, where am I? What am I doing here? Mm -hmm. Um, I find the Kindle app much easier to use on the iPhone than the Android phone Mm -hmm. if I'm not using the A-Lady to read my books. And I use a lot of Kindle books. Um, I know you've had conversations about synthesized speech. Um, You know, I used Double Talk and a lot of those very robotic ones back in the day. (laughs) So it's like, this is brilliant reading. (laughs) (laughs)
0: yes well again that's it perspective is is has a big part to play in this right where you've come from to where you are now that that can feel very different to you know me for example you know i I was growing up with on my computers i was using at school it was all fred or bubbles on the mac it was all that kind of stuff that's the ones we played with and we'd make it say rude words in the break it's always fun um and all that stuff but it's really interesting to see how things have developed and how we, how we look at things, and it depends on, like I say, what perspective you come from. I want to ask you just briefly about Chromebooks. Have you experimented there?
1: Oh, yes, yes. Um, they're not as jangly as they once were. Um, I, I use my Chromebook um, periodically. Um, I more use less... I use the web um, on Chrome. But what I love about it is my Chromebook, which is a Google Chromebook. Um, I can put Linux on my Chromebook. And then mm-hmm. it, unfortunately they have disabled uh, Speak Up and uh, some other things. And I can't get it to read the terminal very well. Um, it doesn't have a, a desktop UI. But I can use Emacs, which is a brilliant editor, which dates back to something like 1979, um, which is all keyboard driven. And there are two screen readers for Emacs. You can either use TV Ramen's Emacs Speak or you can use uh, Speeched.L. And either one of them, um, they, They give you different things, you know, all screen readers do give you different things, but um, you can program in Python and know where your indentations are. You can write in Markdown, which everybody should know because Markdown is brilliant uh, for writing documents, um, as well as doing other computing tasks. You can build websites, you can do all kinds of things.
0: But just staying with the Chromebook for a second, because, you know, I, I I have to tell you, I've had a kind of mixed relationship with the Chromebook. I think it's a, a good machine. Uh, certainly the ChromeVox seems capable. Um, and bearing in mind it is a web browser, I, although, you know, my criticisms tend to lean towards not the actual web browsing capability of the machine, but the third-party applications that come with it and some of the challenges I've had trying to navigate those, where you seem to have this weird fusion of ChromeVox and TalkBack almost needing to fight each other, and some kind of never-ending war um, to you know, enable them to work properly, and sometimes it just, it just doesn't work out. So I wonder your take on that, has things improved?
1: I have not enjoyed using the Android side of my Chromebook. Um, TalkBack doesn't act the same as it does on, my, on an Android phone, um, which is problematic, I think. Depends on what you're doing. Um, I think as a device uh, that you can browse the web and you can write documents and you can do email on the web. If that's all you need to do, it's a brilliant machine.
0: Yeah, okay. But, so what is your, I mean, you've obviously got every computing <laughs> platform under the sun available to you <laughs> and you're using. <laughs> um, if I was to take everything away from you tomorrow, real, and leave you with just one OS, and I'm talking computers here, because I think I know where you are on the, on the smartphone side of things, but, but in regards to computing, what would you use? What would you miss most?
1: Um, I, would ke- I, would want, I would fight for my Windows machine.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, is, that, is, that the overall, a... is that the overall choice, is it?
1: Well, and then if it was a choice between Windows and iOS, I'd probably go with iOS. Although okay. that would be tough because if it was the only thing hmm. you know that would be hard, but if I could have a phone and a computer, it would probably be windows and an and an iphone um because I know Windows better, yeah, you know I'm far more confident using windows
2: and what are you running jaws or um
1: I tend to default to NVDA, but yeah. I can use narrator and I have JAWS and I mm-hmm. am anxious for um, another BGT person who is doing a tutorial elsewhere on JAWS. I'm interested in that um, because I, I never got good with JAWS way back in the day and I've forgotten everything I learned. That's mm-hmm. what happens when you've done things and gone off and done other things, you forget <laughs> what you've learned.
0: Well, I mean, you you've, you know your way around almost every operating system that exists. So uh, it wouldn't be surprising if you forgot a few commands along the way. <laughs> I think that's only fair. Um, but no, I it's... thought you were gonna
2: say Emacs if you had to take everything. Yeah, I was no, thinking just you might go there. Yeah, I was thinking you might go there.
1: No, because, the, well, <laughs> I might go Emacs on a Linux computer. Yeah. I might do that. If I had a G, um, I could then access the web through a GUI.
2: Yeah.
1: I don't want to access the web through a terminal because most sites are not compatible.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Real, I could talk to you for hours. This has been a fascinating and, and you must come back on and, and share yeah. well, some more stories. Well invite me
1: back and I'll be
0: here. Okay, fine. <laughs> um no we will definitely do that. Absolutely <laughs> come back on soon and uh and share your stories with us because I think this is really interesting just to learn about the 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 wealth of um technology that not only is out there but was out there you know i think there's a lot of people who'll be listening to this going oh God, do you remember all that and i remember the days i used to punch a punch a card and you know an app would start somewhere um that, it's brilliant i love it i absolutely love it real thanks again for coming on come again soon
2: all right thanks real. take care
0: and there you go that's our conversation with real Wilno, who has been a fantastic guest today on the program i do thank you real for coming on and sharing your thoughts. It was really nice talking to Rilla early on the week and to Robin as well. Always good to catch up with Robin. Uh, Don't forget, of course, our show continues on Monday. We're only available on Monday next week. Uh, Unfortunately, I am... Well, that's not unfortunate for me. I'm travelling and going to be on the road a bit, so I'm not going to have as much time to spend putting the episodes together. So instead of rushing things out, I thought let's just take a bit of a break and uh, allow those of you who have been struggling to catch up with some episodes to catch up with all of them. And uh, we will return the following Monday, Monday the 1st of August, a brand new month again. Can you believe it? So, yes, we're back on Monday. But we're talking on Monday, interestingly, back with Robin about guide dog refusals and uh, the issues there. Uh, He's experienced this himself. And there's a new app that's come out from Guide Dogs that is aiming to... uh, Help us report these issues. So that's coming up on the episode on Monday. So do stick around for that. Have yourselves a great weekend. Keep in touch if you'd like to. You can email us hello at blindguytalkstech.com. We'll get to all your feedback soon. Thanks for listening.